Hello and welcome to the official Building Your Business podcast series presented by Archer Gallon Redshaw Chartered Accountants. Our firm has launched this podcast series to help simplify some of the complex challenges that occur when owning and operating a business and to assist business owners to better understand the inner workings of their organisation, regardless of which industry you operate within. Every month, we'll be releasing a new episode featuring special guests from industry, as well as Archie Gallen Redshaw directors Ian Walker, Smiljan Jankovic, and Valda Glynn to provide their commentary on a variety of business management topics alongside expertise surrounding accounting, taxation, and business strategy. Welcome to our podcast series, Building Your Business. Hello and welcome to the August edition of the Building Your Business podcast series presented by Archie Gallen Redshaw Chartered Accountants. In today's episode, I'm pleased to be joined by very special guest Wayne Clark, Director of Maxwell Stone Consulting, alongside AGR Managing Director Smiljan Jankovic. So welcome Wayne, welcome Smiljan. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thrilled yeah. to be here. Thank you, Chris. And welcome Wayne. Yeah. Thank you, Smiljan. Um, so across today's discussion, uh, we'll be talking about the importance of building a, a talent acquisition and recruitment strategy for organisations at all levels. Um, Wayne, I know that you're an insurance uh, specialist recruitment agent, um, but obviously you'll have a lot to comment about um, just the general nature of how things are out there at this point in time. Um, so it'd be also be good to talk about the um, the connection between employers, brand and recruitment, and then also um, you know why partnering with a, a specialist um, such as yourself um, is important at, at this stage you know when in our economic climate and you know what the best way to, to go about that is as well so um, it'd be great to, to hear your thoughts and and of course as a as a business owner yourself at Smillion it'd be great to, to hear about the, the types of things that you know you've considered in in regards to recruitment strategies and uh, you know involved with us as well. Um, so as some background, and, and I'm sure Wayne will speak further to this, but uh, as I say, it's the director of uh, Maxwell Stone Consultancy. Um, so that's a specialist agency uh, focusing on general insurance, um, insurance sorry, recruitment. Um, for over 20, you've got 25, 20 years experience? Well, I like to say over 20 years now. Yep. A little bit like once you get beyond 30, you don't like to say how old you are. So <laughs> yeah, I've got uh, over 20 years experience now of, of recruitment, um, and that's across different professional services sectors. So general insurance is my primary focus now, but over the years, uh, covered accounting and finance, uh, legal sector, um, and then obviously general insurance and financial services. Yeah. And that's full circle recruitment as well. It's um, from end-to-end recruitment there. Correct. So 360 recruitment from, yeah, it's uh, attracting staff through to placing them and, and, you know, the onboarding side of things. Yeah. Um, so you built uh, built Maxwell Stone Consultants, Consulting sorry, uh, in 2020 and... I think it was thereabouts yeah, midway great. through that year and then obviously this year uh been voted the the best recruiter 2022 for the insurance uh, market through the recent uh, resourcer um awards well yeah thank you for mentioning that chris the um <laughs> so yeah so there's uh, a, a recruitment review platform called saucer which um basically is a verified recruitment uh, review um website that allows your candidates and clients to comment and rate your service. And so they did their first awards uh, just a few months ago, and they looked at the quality and quantity of reviews for different recruiters and recruitment agencies across um, uh, geographical locations across Australia and different industry sectors. And yeah, I was really uh, pleased to have been awarded the top recruiter for Queensland for the general insurance space. Terrific. Okay. 
Well, as I say, part of the, today's discussion is going to be focusing on um, obviously talent acquisition and uh, and recruitment. And and funnily enough, before coming to, to record this today, I was doing a bit of research on, on some of the data that's out there and the Australian Bureau of Statistics business sentiment data that's um, released uh, every month. The uh, the June sentiments actually highlight that a third of employing businesses uh, are having difficulty finding staff. And, and that was the same sentiments that have been built in, uh, in April, March and, and January of this year. So so um, I think it is going to be a really timely uh, discussion today um, and I, I'd really be keen to hear first of all what um, maybe what some of the immediate trends have been over the last six to, to 12 months um, and, and also get your uh, thoughts on sort of you know wage expectation and cost of labour and, and things like that as well and then obviously we'll dive into to Smullyan as well getting giving his thoughts. So yeah, you're definitely right. It's very topical at the moment. And um, I saw yesterday actually that they announced that unemployment now is at uh, a 48 year low. So if you consider that for a moment, it's pretty powerful. So I don't claim to be a young man anymore, but uh, forget the 20 years recruitment experience. There has never been less people kind of looking for work uh, in my lifetime, which is, you know, unbelievable in Australia. So, you know, that, that measure is uh, pretty powerful and um, obviously at a very macro level, but uh, certainly from my experience and the recruiters I talk to in the specialist professional services spaces um, would tell you that it's never been harder to find good talent. And so definitely uh, businesses need to be kind of building this into their strategy, um, not just in t- if they want to grow, but also, you know, they need to be able aware that their existing team are probably being approached with roles and um, you know it's harder than ever to replace people if you lose them as well so uh, in terms of kind of what I've seen I suppose post-pandemic is probably I mean the the past 12 months is um, uh, is still relevant but obviously there's been a lot of change in the workplace and uh, labour market over the, the sort of post-pandemic period but what I would say over the last 12 months is um, if you look at SEEK so Australia's leading job board by some margin uh, I've read, I saw something just recently that made a comparison between um, the final quarter of last year uh, the number of applications per advert compared to the final quarter of the year before and the number of applications per advert was half in the last quarter of this year compared to, to last year. So, you know, that's taken all industry sectors, all level of jobs. And so the average was 24 a year ago and the average now is 12. So, I mean, that's a that's a huge, again, a huge indication of what's happening, I suppose, across all industries um, and all markets by Australia's leading job board, which is quite a good gauge, I think, on some of these things. So obviously, you know, supply and demand dictates that the power shift has moved, I think, a, a lot towards the employee side. And, um, uh, and so they are dictating some more of the terms. But I think what's kind of important to be aware of is that's not just uh, about the financial components. So, you know, it's um, a lot more to do with some of the other uh, considerations around flexibility and work-life balance and training and development and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, all I can say from the uh, employer's perspective, from accounting sort of side, yeah, uh, the last 12 months we've certainly seen, you know, less sort of uh, uh, talents or sort of employees looking for work and um, we used to be bombarded with the recruiters, with emails and, you know, all the available talents that are out there on the market, but recently it's it's highly, you know, it's harder definitely to sort of get an email or you mm-hmm. kind of have to make an approach to a recruiter to look for, for, for the staff. 
yeah, COVID has certainly reshaped that sort of a position for pretty much everyone. And as you mentioned, Wayne, uh, sort of different uh, approaches have been sort of accepted after or post-COVID, I would say, uh, where hybrid approach was sort of um, accepted and sort of work-life balance, people working from home. So those sort of approaches have been sort of put on the desk for every single employer and that flexible level is something that I think current sort of a workforce is looking for. So I would say employers will need to be sort of adjustable and adaptable to that sort of a level of um, um, level of um, um, level of work. Yeah. So yeah. I think you know that raises other um, factors for employees that are perhaps are con- uh, considering uh, prospective employers, and um, I, I suppose at the moment prospective employees will have numerous options available to them and i think the perception by a lot of candidates is if the employer doesn't trust me to work from home um, at least sometimes then you know it becomes more about the trust issue than just the fact that you know i want to be avoiding the commute or more accessible for my family and some of those other sort of things that uh, kind of impact or you know, the flexibility kind of how it impacts someone's life but I think the sort of trust component is then kind of brought to the forefront for some of these uh, businesses yeah sure and and also from the perspective of measuring the work performance wise you know that's that's another component where we look at you know um, certain employees can be easily measured while certain can't so working from home, you know, looking at that sort of um, measuring component, it's quite important uh, as well uh, from our perspective. But yeah, as you mentioned, um, uh, it's certainly uh, on the radar. Um, people are looking for, for that flexibility and um, and through the relationship, yes, and, and that trust, that sort of loyalty is created with, with the, between employee and employee and... Um, and relationship is going to remain going forward yeah yeah and i think it's i mean it's obviously different now than when we first had the um the forced lockdown of the pandemic where businesses had to they had no choice but to to respond to that and obviously um they already had teams in situ that they then had to uh, kind of you know thrust this trust upon but obviously now when businesses are recruiting um, and you know candidates are considering employers this is at the forefront of most people's mind is uh, you know we've had a taste now of how it can work and um, how it does work for certain individuals and it's interesting that you know I mean I speak to candidates um, regularly that don't want to just work from home you know or, or prefer to go into the office the vast majority of the time but even in those instances the level of flexibility that is expected now by potential employees is far far higher than it ever was kind of pre-pandemic all right and is it sort of between the gender levels is it is it more of different sort of percentage or in your opinion or what you're getting well i think it's more about life stages um so you know perhaps someone that um is so people at different life stages it may become more uh, relevant 
to you know if they've for example got young children and um, you know the, the family focus might be more prevalent to them or if they're at the beginning of their career then they may not necessarily be as interested in uh, being able to work from home and maybe more interested in progression and development and uh, advancement and salary and so on so you tend to find that uh, it's more around life stage in my experience at least than uh so just following that i was hoping to to speak about maybe the essential components of a, of a talent acquisition and recruitment strategy as well um and what uh your thoughts are and, and some takeaways that sme businesses can, can take from this so um you know what does the um or what role sorry does the recruitment process play um you know for for sme businesses you know from the first interview right through to to onboarding um maybe some potential interview techniques as well um, if you can comment on that and then in speaking about covid and obviously working from home and and the adjustment that businesses have to do because of that or have had to do because of that um now the digital infrastructure um how important that is and can that compared to -to face-to-face interviews and how we see that um playing out these days okay um there's a fair bit to unpack there so uh, i'll start with the talent attraction piece if that's okay chris and um and i mean people would sort of uh, you would have heard and seen probably a lot of people talking about um evps and uh, and 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 that encompasses talent attraction so evps employee value propositions um is basically uh and sorry you know for, i appreciate most people may know already a, a fair bit about this but um just in case so evps effectively are um something that every business that has employees has whether it's been consciously established and nurtured or just you know, product of chance and neglect. And it's effectively everything that a business does to attract and retain its employees. So, you know, you need to think about pay and perks, culture, career development, benefits and rewards. And none of this is new. I mean, we've been talking about this, uh, uh, I mean, 20 years I've been in recruitment and I think my first client meeting, we, you know, we, we go in and we ask them what their USPs were at that point in time. And so, you know, that would have been very much around uh, a lot of the, a lot of this stuff, their culture and benefits and salaries and uh, development opportunities and so on. But um, so this stuff is being referred to as, uh, I think, uh, EVPs at the moment. And um, as I say, every, every business has one if it has employees uh, and I think it's something that there's been a tremendous focus on over the past couple of years and so the businesses that uh, are taking a proactive approach to, to this are going to be best situated I think for the challenging uh, talent market that we're in and will continue to see um, and it's like a lot of the uh, like a lot of the things it's quite time-consuming but certainly an area of, of business that I think leaders need to be focusing some attention on. And can we see the SME businesses sort of deployed similar sort of uh, strategies? I know large organizations do have this on their sort of uh, strategies and plans, but yeah, just on the SME side. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, depending on the business size, it is obviously harder because I think, it, again, from what I've seen, businesses with less than 10 staff, as an example, you know, it's almost like the owner or the managing director is responsible for most components of of the business so that will include you know the finance function and uh, HR and marketing and new business uh, acquisition and so on and uh, in addition to their primary function whether they're a plumber you know or or an accountant or a recruiter or whatever it might be so um, it's hard for smaller SMEs I think to 
you know to, to uh, carve out the time for some of this stuff and obviously if you look at the, the massive uh, multinational uh, corporates then they've got teams of people that work on this stuff and so sure. um, but yeah it's it's definitely something that even the smallest employers need to be mindful of in order to I think survive the talent fight that we are currently find ourselves in um, and then yeah I guess speaking about uh, interview techniques it, has anything changed because of the um, because of the pandemic um, in how those are now conveyed and, and what people are doing in interviews um, I know in the past that testing has been something that employers do when assessing candidates at later stages in the process um, has there been anything else that's come into play now with people working from home or um, you know shortening interview processes to to get you know the right candidates coming through well i think the uh this stuff starts way before the recruitment process to be honest um you know there's a lot of research now that suggests that more people than ever will research a company in advance of making an application or pursuing an opportunity with a particular business so that's quite an important thing to be aware of because uh it suggests that around about 70%, and this is taken from primarily small SMEs across Australia, That um, and it was you know hundreds, so I think about 500 SME businesses were uh, looked at. Around about 70% of those businesses didn't have any information on their website around their EVP, so didn't have a career page, didn't talk about the reasons people should be interested in working for them and so on. Um, and the research also suggests that around about the same percentage of prospective candidates are doing research before making a decision on whether to apply to a business. So you've got effectively two-thirds of the candidate, the prospective candidate pool that are made, doing research and around about two-thirds of businesses that haven't done anything to show them when they come to their website. And even of those businesses that have something, so you know that one-third, uh, 20% of those uh, spoke about kind of remote or hybrid working, which at the moment, if you look at, for example, uh, LinkedIn recently um, showed some research that 20% of job adverts on LinkedIn um, offered remote work. And of those 20% of job adverts, they received over 50% of the overall applications. So you can already see how important this shift is. You know, you've got two... Um, you know, 20% of, 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 of the roles receiving over 50% of the adverts for that fundamental reason. So, so in answer to the question, sorry, Chris, going back to it. So uh, it starts way before the recruitment process. You're not going to have a recruitment process unless you consider some of these things and you're, not, and, and you're delivering your uh, employee value proposition in the right way, in a proactive way. And you consider some of these things such as your uh, career site and uh, why, why someone would want to work for your business. Um, and then again, you know, uh, speaking to digital infrastructure versus face-to-face -face interviews, is that becoming more of a, an occurrence? Is Teams and Skype interviews and Zoom interviews um, becoming more prominent or are people still happy to come in to see an organisation in person, um, meet the people um, in the interview process and uh, and then also go through that, um, that different multiple stage uh, interview process as well? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's definitely more prominent for sure. Um, however, my advice is always to, wherever possible, meet with the person you're going to be working with and see 
the you know if they have a physical office uh, um, to see the environment, I think that gives uh, uh, some additional um, information for a candidate to consider. Um, certainly, I've got clients that that purely do uh, video based interviews and make decisions on that basis, and I think people are very comfortable with that. Um, but if you have the opportunity to meet someone, then I think you know it's always advantageous. Why wouldn't you? Frankly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, certainly, because uh, especially employing the remote uh, person somewhere from different region or states, uh, definitely video interview would be uh, the one. Uh, and yes, and I've heard as well that many companies deploying that uh, strategy, uh, especially because of the shortage of labour. So. Um, yeah, I think what's yeah what's probably more interesting actually is um, yeah to pick up on Samilian's point there is that some employers that have always been always had a physical office with their team based from that office um, are now actually having staff based elsewhere. So you know, a recent example I spoke to um, an employer who is based on the Gold Coast. Everyone's always reported into the Gold Coast and so on. Uh, but they've just employed someone in Mackay who's home based, you know, working purely remotely and, and that works nice. So yeah, I mean whilst the talent shortage obviously creates issues for uh, employers, the, the the modern way of working also creates opportunities, as you say there, for people to be based elsewhere that you know perhaps couldn't be considered before. So I'll throw the other side of that question to you, Smillion, as a business owner and a director as well. You know, what do you prefer? Do you prefer people coming in or would you be happy to hire people off Zoom and, and video interviews? Uh, traditionally, yeah, it was always the in-person interview. Yep. So uh, I would say that would be our preference because that's something that we historically done it. Uh, I wouldn't really, you know, discount interviewing anyone over the Zoom, uh, depending of what situation your business is at and how hard it is to find a, a person or replacement uh, for your business or as part of your business growth uh, and strategy. So you need to sort of add on certain uh, levels within your um, hierarchy to sort of fill in the gaps. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind as well as I employ employing someone um, working remotely and, um, and many businesses you know, utilize that sort of strategy anyway currently. So we've experienced through the COVID uh, communication via Zoom and Teams, so everything works fine. Even our internal strategy uh, communication while we were working from home, we all been communicating um, through the Zoom and Teams and uh, different channels. So yeah, um, that, that would be certainly fine, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you're moving on um, from your uh, uh, sort of experience, Ryan, I will say, uh, what role do you think uh, the agency and individual recruiter play in uh, helping the organisation to form the strategy of the, you know, attracting talent and acquisition? Well, um, it's a good question. And I think, you know, it, uh, as we mentioned, you, I mean, generally you find that a lot of business owners um, are very time poor. And so, you know, some of this, uh, some of this stuff, a recruitment uh, consultant or recruitment agency can help them to communicate to relevant candidates. Um, I think, I mean, at the moment, uh, you know, I spend most of my day, uh, sort of all day, every day, trying to network with uh, good talent and, uh, you know, find people that would be interested in roles. And I've got the benefit as well of being able to present multiple opportunities to individuals. And even uh, us recruiters find it hard to find good people. So I think ultimately it's it's hard to find good people. And obviously, if you're an individual business, you don't necessarily have 
the available time to go out and use the tools that are available as well to uh, you know to present your opportunity to individuals so uh, one of them will be you know a good recruiter will ask you the questions to identify what your kind of USPs or this uh, EVP uh, is for um, for prospective candidates and then we'll take it out and communicate it to uh, the relevant uh, kind of individuals in the market sure and um when you look at the partnering with a certain organisation, so whether that's exclusively ex- exclusively, so what sort of, um, you know, I understand relationship is quite important um, and, you know, it takes a bit of time to understand the organisation and their strategies and goals and how do you see that sort of partnering level and process work working for you guys? Um, um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question and, and you know, recruitment, uh, consultants will often talk about exclusivity and the benefit of working in an exclusive arrangement with them as a business. Um, and I think there's a often uh, a misunderstanding by uh, hiring managers as to the reason for that. But uh, genuinely, there is a massive benefit to the business of working in partnership with a recruiter. If they choose to work with a recruiter, you know, ultimately, um, you know, they. I, I understand. I've used recruiters myself in the past when I've built big recruitment uh, teams, and um, and you know, obviously, in the first instance, you exhaust all of your own uh, kind of opportunities to try and find individuals. But the reality is, if there's people relocating, where it's you know from different countries or different states, you may not be aware of them, yep. uh, other than sort of using a recruitment consultancy. So, but I think where where you're partnering with a recruitment consultancy, really, you're going to get the most value from that if you have a, a, a kind of very open. Um, partnership with them so they can understand your business and your culture and make sure that they're uh, able to present your business in the most positive and uh, and accurate light. It's no good just kind of telling yep. people all of the positives and, and selling the dream if there are challenges there that need to be overcome as well. So it kind of links in with the retention piece as well. I mean, I think, uh, you know, getting the right person that's going to succeed today, but also succeed, you know, with the business in the future and have that longevity. So working kind of closely with that recruiter and I think ultimately where you do partner on a more exclusive basis you know you you become a priority to that recruiter so I think there's again a a kind of a misconception that if I give this to uh, this opportunity to to work with my business to five agencies I'm going to get they're all going to work harder to, to try and get across to me first and there's a, a very famous um, thought leader Greg Savage Chris will yeah. remember who kind of talks about the fact that you wouldn't go to somebody you wouldn't go to like a, a painter and decorator and, and say okay I've given this job to paint my house to three or four of you whoever finishes it the first gets the money or uh, you know to a brain surgeon and say uh, whoever can perform this surgery fastest will will get the money and uh, you know it, to some degree is uh, the same in recruitment if you give it to a bunch of agencies you kind of uh, become less of a priority. Uh, I'm glad you bring up the the retention side there as well because that's equally important. Um, You know, we've spoken about the attraction piece and trying to get new employees, Um, but obviously you've got to be looking after the ones that are already within the organisation as well. And and you mentioned there earlier that um, people are being spoken to a a lot. So um, from a retention side... Uh, what are some of the strategies that employers can do to, to help build that that out and, and ensure that they are keeping their, their best people? Well, yeah, it's a great question. And actually, I think it's the most, in my in my 
opinion, I think it's the most important thing because it's one thing going out to market and saying, this is who we are and this is what we do and this is what we offer. But if your existing staff are having a barbecue with their friends and, you know, a lot of us working in specialist uh, industries and markets and areas. So, you know, a lot of the potential staff that you may be interested in trying to recruit in the future may well know people that work for your business or have worked for your business. And so if those individuals are going and saying positive things about your company, then that's a really big and powerful part of the process, uh, I believe. And so, um, again, it comes back to this EVP and that's all kind of connected with this. So uh, effectively what the EVP, uh, so your employee value proposition encompasses is um, what your existing employees are saying about your business and their experience in in working there. So it's their lived experience of your business. It's not just what, uh, you know, and and to get that EVP, that's why they they talk a lot about it has to involve all of the staff and their experience. uh, Whereas I think historically it's been like the CEO or head of HR or, you know, someone in marketing perhaps that, that has put together a careers page and said, this is what I think about the business, you know, and it may not necessarily be entirely accurate. And so, um, yeah, the, the you need to consider your existing staff and make sure that, the, um, that what you're offering is still relevant. Um, and the key components, uh, I mean, it may be interesting to cover this, the key components, um, Gartner ha- has a report that suggests the key components to your EVP uh, include obviously salary, um, so compensation, work-life balance, stability, location, and respect. So they've done a huge amount of research and they're the five main uh, elements that you need to consider both with prospective employers and attracting, uh, sorry, prospective employees and attracting new people to your business, but also retaining the existing staff and, and you know, creating that culture that businesses strive to achieve. Yeah, I, w- I would certainly agree with what I mentioned as well. And um, uh, from a business perspective, uh, you know, there's a lot of importance when it comes to the relationship with, relationship with the employee, having that empathy, understanding the the employee's uh, situation and um, that quite rela- you know builds that sort of rapport and relationship uh, between um, the the ownership or the owners and and um, different levels of um, employees so yes uh, having that quite quite good communication within the practice and, and the business it's it's important and, uh, and all these EVPs that um, you mentioned mine as well they certainly on, on you know on that sort of track and radar um, but yeah a lot of you know, honesty comes on the Christmas parties as well from the employees as well <laughs> when it comes down, you know, for the, you know, how they feel about the, the position. But um, uh, look, we always work, you know, to sort of retain the best staff and provide the best for the, for the employees and give them best <clears throat> opportunities, create that sort of culture that everyone enjoys and, you know, it's willing to come to work, as you mentioned. And we we provided that sort of uh, work-life balance culture to our employees. Uh, only ten percent, you know, took uh, to work from home, and the rest is just quite, you know, enjoy working in office. So it, it's not a something that you know uh, we're not sort of following all these footsteps. Uh, what is out there in the environment? Uh, but um, from the perspective uh, as an owner, yes, yeah, certainly keeping an eye on on pretty much everyone. It's like you know looking after your child. So you have to understand pretty much every state of that employee um, when they hit certain levels, you know, 
give them on track, help with the performance skills, uh, give them certain training sessions and uh, and courses that need to sort of develop their further further skills as well. So yeah, it, it is it is important to sort of understand where they are, but through the communication is the only way. So it's quite you know it's fairly important for us to sort of communicate with the employee employee on that sort of level where they want to progress further and and how we can help and assist them to sort of remain that sort of loyalty and long relationship yeah well i'm glad you you also brought up those statistics about um you know that employee employer ease now uh, are doing more research than ever on organizations um you know that being their websites and and such so um can we speak about the connection between the employer brand and candidate attraction? Um, I mean, you've already covered the the company website, but what role does social media play? I mean, obviously businesses are getting on Facebook, getting on LinkedIn, getting on Instagram, you know, putting up posts that are business related, but then also that emphasize the social component. Uh, do you ever speak to uh, potential candidates that say, oh, I saw that organisation on, on Facebook or, or Instagram and, you know, what they're doing seems to be fun um, from a social perspective, but also the work that they're doing as well is, is quite appealing. Do you ever have that? Is that an important component as well? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I'm sure it is an important component. I think most of the uh, sectors I've had experience of have pri- have largely been limited to LinkedIn um, for the smaller SME businesses that, uh, you know, I, I've tended to work with. Um, I think the other platforms, you know, there's obviously huge opportunity there. I don't know whether it's kind of more larger businesses with the marketing budget and the marketing teams that perhaps can effectively utilize some of those other platforms but um yeah i mean i think if you've got first it starts with having a good proposition that you can sort of uh, communicate and then once you have that then you want to try and get it in front of people as much as possible but um there's there's a difference between i suppose an employer brand and then the sort of employee attraction sort of philosophy or uh, proposition and and so um yeah, I mean, a good example is is this podcast. You know, if you guys were looking to hire somebody, this podcast would be something. If I was a, a prospective candidate and I saw that the business was doing this, then that would definitely be an attractive thing as a, a potential employee looking at the business because it shows that you're adding value. Um, it shows that you're doing things, to, you know, you're, you're sort of leading in, in your marketplace. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's all, I, I think it's all interconnected, but uh, I, probably, I probably don't know enough about the channels outside of LinkedIn to comment too heavily on that. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. I mean, a lot of um, a lot of the people that listen to to this podcast are probably more in those professional services and 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 such industries where obviously LinkedIn is the the main um, sort of social platform where those type of individuals are, are heading to. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to see that you know, there's a lot of. Um, yeah, a lot of businesses out there that obviously have their their social pages, and and some businesses have even dedicated, um, you know, LinkedIn pages, career pages, essentially, and and Facebook pages as well. So, um, it was just, uh, yeah, just yeah, a bit of an open question in that respect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think what's interesting is you look at some. I mean, uh, I've got a really um, a, a, an excellent client of mine who has about let's say ten employees, um, and uh, they take a very 
proactive approach to communicating what they're doing as a business on LinkedIn. And I think what's really powerful about that, so for example, you know, every time they have a team event, every time they win an award, um, every time they do something interesting or different in the office, you know, they might have someone in to do a presentation or some training or something, you know, and so, um, and obviously they're connected to lots of uh, other individuals that work within their space in the market. So every time they're communicating this, it builds trust. And so it builds recognition and um, you know it builds awareness and, and and that side of things so when somebody likes me like like me calls uh, you know a potential candidate or you know say a potential candidate a, 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 an individual to talk to them about a, a, a possible opportunity it's quite powerful if they've already had some knowledge or, or you know the awareness of the business and so that's something again I mean if you look at the the, the future I think of um, of talent sourcing that is something that perhaps businesses want to be more mindful of is uh, you know they're doing all of these great things then you want to kind of talk about it on a platform like LinkedIn so that uh, hopefully relevant talent will see it and then be more interested in, uh, in in coming on board because there's no getting away from the fact that at the moment there's more jobs than I think has ever been available to uh, across a lot of industries and so the candidates have the choice of where they're going to kind of take the time to, to go and interview. That's Moeen, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, certainly um, I agree what when that's sort of covered as well. Um, LinkedIn has been, you know, a you know, quite powerful platform. We've been normally looking for Certain, you know, some candidates as well. If if there's anything that perspective from that perspective can sort of match to our sort of business, uh, but yeah, we've been quite active and Chris been sort of doing that a lot in background. Uh, you know, making sure that all the events that we attend and and and, and cover, so we kind of uh, you know share with people out there that we are actively involved in all these activities and. Um, definitely try to sort of create that sort of uh, stronger relationship and trust um, for sort of incoming people as well and and our sort of other sort of stakeholders and uh, and parties that we sort of deal with um, for sure yeah I think that's really really powerful and and uh, I'd be interested to get you know yourself and Chris your your view on I mean do you think many businesses of a similar size are as proactive as you in in that regard or is I mean in my mind sort of when I see some of the things that that Chris is putting on to LinkedIn it's quite unique I think for um, you know businesses that aren't you know much bigger I like to hope we are a bit you know unique than than others Um, I think you know hopefully we are ahead of the curve in in that respect Um, not to toot our own horn but we were um finalists of the Australian Accounting Awards this year for, for our marketing program. Um, so I, I think that shows some recognition that we are doing something right and it is a bit different to, to other businesses. Um, of course, you know, there's there's others out there that probably are doing similar things. And um, as I say, hopefully if we can if we can make ourselves competitive um, and, and build that trust as well with, uh, with the general sort of public and um, within our networks, then um, I hope we're, hope we're doing it correctly. Yeah, yeah, I think it's terrific, and you know, in my opinion, I think it's definitely the, the you know, it's the way that the um, it's the way everything is going, and, and whether it's podcasts or video and and that um, you know regular sort of 
um, communication that people can see. I think it's yeah going to be really powerful in positioning the business uh, for the future. So yeah, I think you guys are doing a, a great job of it. Well done. Thank you. You might have to clarify if that's the the, the right uh, right answer. This yeah, yeah, certainly. <laughs> are, are we doing it right? Am you, I doing you'll it be right? leading the marketing <laughs> side, but yeah, uh, that that's part of our strategy and business goal, uh, and uh, that's how pretty much every other businesses are doing in other in industries as well. Um, it's not something we compete with anyone. We just want to make sure they'll be doing the right thing, uh, educate clients, keep the inf- informed people out there, um, especially in certain specialist area that we do specialise. We want to make sure that we sort of bring that out as well, that sort of we show wider people in the industry uh, in the market that we do this and, and we can help and assist you know, clients in this industry. So it's it's something that we want to really bring that along, you know, in through that different channels, podcasts, different, um, you know, newspapers, you know, um, part of the magazines, the different events where we attend to. So it's quite really important <clears throat> have that sort of presence. So yes, um, definitely it's paid off that we ended up being in that sort of finalist. Um, uh, and yeah, we're going to keep going and, reach the next level, next level as well. So try to win that award next yeah, year. So. Right. <laughs> Good luck. Thank you. But, um, no, I, well, I really appreciate um, you, you taking the time to, to do this, Wayne, because I think what you've provided is, is some really key and core takeaways that businesses, um, regardless of industry, can can look to implement. Um, is there anything further that you, you'd wish to add you know, that would help benefit that, that process? Um, well, yeah, look, thanks for having me firstly and uh, appreciate that. Um, there, there was, yeah, there's something I saw actually earlier this week on Seek, which is a new tool. It's free. Um, it's called the Seek Laws of Attraction, which is quite an interesting tool to have a little look at. It basically is um, taken from uh, over, I think it's 11,000 uh, candidates uh, across ANZ, and it's a broad cross-section of industries and levels and um, you know people of all ages and so on Um, and it looks at specific industries so you can search on specific industry sectors um, in specific locations and what the research has highlighted as those kind of most important factors for individuals in those industry sectors and locations in terms of the um, you know what they're looking for from an employer so some of the people listening to this might want to have a little look at that it was quite interesting for me having a look at that in terms of the way it was um, listed and and you know different locations how people view whether it's you know salary and uh, compensation over career development or work-life balance and, and how it's prioritized because once you know that and uh, I guess being aware of that helps you to communicate your offering uh, whether you're doing your own seek advert or whether you're engaging with a recruiter you want to be able to you know make sure that they're highlighting these things that are important to your talent pool well um in terms of for people listening I mean I know that you specialize in general insurance um, but if someone in within that industry is looking for an opportunity or you know an employer looking for uh, for staff how, how would they go about getting in contact with you well, yeah, look, I mean, you know, if anyone wants to discuss anything, or even if it's just um, if anyone's got any additional questions, you can always reach out to me via LinkedIn. Uh, so it's Wayne Clark at Maxwell Stone. Um, and all of my contact information's on there. So my email address and a telephone number is uh, all easily accessible there. If anyone wants to link in with me, by all means, send an invite and uh, I'll certainly accept that. Perhaps just mention this podcast. And um, yeah. 
well, thank you again, uh, Wayne, for, for coming in to, to do this. It's been, a, I think, a really insightful uh, discussion on, and, and as I say, a lot of key takeaways to be had from, from it. So, um, yeah, really appreciate your time. And, and likewise, thank you, Smillion. It's been great to hear from, uh, from a business owner's uh, perspective as well. Thank you, and thanks, Wayne. <laughs> thanks, Smillion. Yeah, great to, uh, to be here. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for the invite. Appreciate it. For business owners seeking accounting, taxation, business advisory and superannuation support and assistance, please feel free to get in contact with the advisor team at Archer Gallon Redshaw. Led by Ian Walker, Smiljan Jankovic and Valda Glynn, our firm are a Brisbane CBD-based accounting practice supporting businesses across a variety of industries throughout southeast Queensland and nationally. You can get in contact with our team via the website www.agredshaw.com.au via email at info at agredshaw.com.au or contacting 073002 2699.